Hi there, Glocal Citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I'm Florence Adu once again, and thank you for joining us. I am back in New York City in Brooklyn, and I am happy to be hosting my next guest. He was an old friend that I've just known for a, a, quite a long time. And it's interesting just to kind of take a flashback So we first met years and years and years ago as interns. And it was more like passing ships, right? So it was like, oh, passing ships. And then, you know, New York life brings you closer together. But we actually, I want to say, really became friends in a global context, which was in Ghana. But I'll leave the rest of that to the conversation. So my next guest believes that individuals empowered by imagination and inspiration can solve virtually any problem. He is a serial entrepreneur who has dared to invent the future. First in 2005 with Hopstop, the pioneering travel app that helped millions of users navigate public transportation in major metropolitan areas around the world, which Apple acquired in 2013 and subsequently incorporated much of Hopstop's functionality into Apple Maps. He also founded Tripology, a lead generation and referral business for the travel industry. Tripology was acquired by Rand McNally and is now owned by USA Today. He is also the inventor of a US patent for methods and apparatuses for navigation in urban environments. Of course, duh, gotta get the patent first. Um, So now he currently goes by the title Dreamer at the Startup School of Alchemy and the Love and Magic Company. Chinedu Eshiro, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me and thank you uh, to your audience uh, for your attention. Yes, yes, yes. So we're, we're excited to jump in and learn more about where you're from, where you are local, and what is your craft? Mm, interesting questions. Well, so uh, I was born in Nigeria in the east, uh, eastern part, uh, so I'm, I'm evil by, uh, by ethnicity. Uh, so um, I now live in New York. And uh, my craft is dreaming and imagination and um, understanding how it can serve and improve uh, human life. Mm, Okay. So it's so funny because I never get that type of answer in terms of craft. It's typically, well, I'm a physician or I'm a writer or, and so that you have had the opportunity to, to dive into kind of this more existential, I want to say, um, description of your craft is really interesting. So tell us more about the background and inspiration that brought you to this point or that point. Sure, sure. As a, as a kid in Nigeria, I've always, um, I've always wanted to uh, solve problems. Um, the first one I tackled was, at least in the naive mind, my naive eight-year-old or nine-year-old mind was uh, African hunger, African hunger. Uh, so I, I asked my mother to uh, give me all the money I had saved with her to buy a cage. And I bought two rabbits and I put those two rabbits in there in the hope uh, that, you know, they would procreate and I would have lots of rabbits and, you know, I will be able to feed the entire continent of Africa. Um, with rabbits. <laughs> with rabbits. Uh, I, mean, I, did, I, did, I did wonder uh, whether Africans would like rabbit meat. Because by then I hadn't actually had, you know, so, you know, I did have, I did have some, you know, I had some challenges to my business model then, you know, uh, but I've always uh, thought about 
uh, using business as a way to really solve very human uh, problems. And um, so when I got to New York as someone who grew up in Nigeria and who's always getting lost, even in our own house, uh, I, I encountered the you know the maze of the New York City subway system and someone for someone who was always getting lost it was one of the most terrifying things I could uh, I could experience but but then again I, I saw a problem I said well I know it's complex I know New York City is the most complex system but there must be some way we can tame that complexity to solve that problem and that's what really birthed Hopstop so in a very practical way dreaming is how things are created so, um, so any form of human creation starts with imagining. And then once imagining, conjuring up the strength, the courage uh, to seek that which you imagined, right? Which is really the, uh, in a really, which is really, I think, uh, at least my own, what I've seen in, in life is um, it's one thing to imagine, uh, but there's, a, there's another aspect, which is the courage to, to attempt it, to, to brave your imagination. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that you use the word conjuring the the courage because it it dovetails with the idea of the the love and magic aspects of of coming up with your business, right? And so tell us as you were able to kind of encapsulate the idea that imagination was critical or is critical to to being and becoming, you know, I guess your best self to some extent, if, if that's kind of how you want to describe it in business. How do you then now in the startup school, how do you, because everyone doesn't have that courage, everyone doesn't have, you know, the ability to bring it from within. So how do you, how do you bring that out of the businesses, the individuals that you work with in your capacities? Yeah, so great question. And that, that the, the answer to the question was a question that I asked myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when we started the Love and Magic Company, the question is: if the goal is to really organize ourselves to create abundance, how does abundance come to be? How mm-hmm. do things, you know, how did, you know, how did SpaceX become SpaceX? How did Amazon become Amazon? What is, you know, what's the answer to that question? Uh, so, in a way, it's a very, very, very practical question, and I think a question that hasn't been answered with clarity. And I think a lot of our challenges is as human beings is is having clarity about um, what that process is, how imagination um, um, comes to be. So the way at least I've tried to understand it is through the lens of information theory, uh, which um, isn't worth. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can talk about it if you want, but on a very practical basis, it's really to understand that we are always imagining. <laughs> that your consciousness is your yeah. imagination. Um, yeah. And then you're, you're moving your imagination around on a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what it is, right? It's not that people are going through life and then imagining when they're dreaming or when they're fantasizing, but at each moment of your life, you're always imagining. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that has been shown mathematically through this idea of that you're always predicting what will happen. You're always predicting. Uh, so that's one. So in your own, so if once you look at your life as you're always imagining, then the question is, it allows you to then uh, have a choice of what to point your attention to, right? So it's easier to to be, you know, once you once you understand that you're always using your imagination, then the question is, uh, then you think, well, what what am I putting my attention on, right? Then then you can start to change uh, you want. 
So what are some of the tools that you, because, you know, we live in the very distracting type of world, right? So multitasking, phones, you know, music, sirens on the street. So, so what are some of the tools that you, you apply or that you recommend for being able to focus those thoughts? Uh, great question. Another great question. Flo. And I think the one useful tool and is really to ask yourself the, the most important question, which is, what do you want? Mm. Imagine if you're using HopStop, right? Um, and you put in your address, the address you wanted to go to, right? You need to have the the destination first, right? Before you can get the directions, right? You need to know, sure. okay, I'm going to this address. How do I get there? So the lack of clarity about what we want or what I wanted created so much uh, waste. Uh, so I think the first moment of clarity is to sit down and not think, but literally write down. I know people say that, and and, and people used to tell me this all the time, and I didn't I, I never understood why thinking about it wouldn't be sufficient. But I think, I, but now I know why it's sufficient because the, your mind moves around. So when you write it down, it allows you to to get feedback. Is this what you truly want? Do you want to change it? How do you mm. Right, so mm-hmm. uh, forcing yourself to just write down what you want in as much clarity as you want. So as time passes, you can change it. You can say, well, is, is my life moving in the direction of, my, of what I want? Okay, do I need to change it? Do I need to change my goal? Um, so I think that's the first step. So once you have that with clarity, or at least with enough clarity to proceed, the next step is then figure out, well, what's your plan to achieve that goal? And like there's an African saying that there's no... Uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Uh, so then you need to figure out how do you now work with your tribe, your co-creators, your co-founders, right, to manifest, to create that ideal that you're looking for. Uh, so those are just maybe two sort of practical ways. So you start off with the, your destination and then mm-hmm. you have a plan uh, with people that support you um, to get help you get to that goal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, that's very straightforward. That makes a lot of sense. So, speaking of destinations and getting to some place, you mentioned being from Nigeria and now you're in New York. So, how did you land on this place? Like, how did you come to be living, working, and playing where you where you live? And actually, it doesn't necessarily have to be about New York. So, maybe it could be at another point in your life, how you ex- exercising your global citizenship, how did you come to be living and working and playing in a particular place where you've lived? Yes, where I've lived. Well, I think I live in my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think yeah. I live in my head a lot. And so okay. I, think, uh, I practice um, what I call like a, a spiritual Okay. Okay. Well, let's, let's dig into that a little bit. So, I mean, yes, because most people probably wouldn't say they would probably be more, you know, or, and are more apt to say, well, I I live in, you know, Manhattan or I live in, you know, New Jersey or what have you. So living in your head, what is, what can, how would you describe what that experience is like and how you decided that that was a focal point of, I guess, you know, centering you? Sure. Well, I mean, again, it came from a cacophony and noise and mm-hmm. and all kinds of uh, journeys. But I think uh, where I've come to at this point is that your locality is your consciousness. 
Mm -hmm. Where you are in in the in the most real sense is your consciousness, your perceptions of self, your perceptions of environments. Um, that's really where you really are. I mean, you could be physically in New York, or you could be in hell. And the true where you truly are is where you are in, in consciousness. And so, with that reasoning, I think I've been I've I've tried to minimize the type of information that would or environments that would not be in line with you know the, the environments that I want to be in. And a lot of it is all, is just also information, uh, etc. So just being mindful of the content I consume uh, uh, and the interactions I have is something I, you know, that helps me preserve that sense of space or, or place. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So what are some of the types of information or content that you steer clear of? Oh, so if I answer this question, then you put my attention to those things. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I, I think social media. So yeah. I, mean, I think I got, I think I did maybe one month of a TikTok uh, addiction. Then I, okay. I, I quit that. Okay. Um, I, mean, I, do, I still do uh, LinkedIn and I yeah. do so. I think what I found it is uh, for me, um, it allows me to, uh, to uh, some form of self-expression and, self-expression mm-hmm. that hopefully in a way that's um, practical and hopefully uh, useful uh, to people at, at some point. Yeah. 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 I like that. I'm personally not a, on TikTok either. I just, I feel like Snapchat, TikTok, those things that were like super fast, like Marco Polo, like a lot of those that are like force you to be attached to your device really are problematic to me just because I like to be able to set myself aside from the device in particular ways. I recently met someone who has a yam. And I think you might remember the term yam from your time in um, in Ghana. And yam for you listeners is a, a non-smartphone, basically. And so they spent a lot of their career, you know, being a tech kind of person, working in fintech, basically, and decided, I'm not going to use a smartphone. And you should try it too. And so what I had to realize is that, or not realize, or communicate to this person is that it's fine that you don't want a smartphone because you may not have the discipline to not have to respond to all of those things. Like, you know, what I appreciate about technology and where we are in this point in human existence is that we've created these tools that make life simpler. So by having a yam, he's made his life a little bit more difficult, which is fine for him. But for me, I have the discipline to be able to say, First, I'm not going to put notifications on everything, right? So it's not going to always chime and tell me to always prompt me to do things. And when it does, I'm going to decide if I'm going to pick it up or I'm not. So I think that's um, that that's just you know a personal decision that people will make. But I just think that we we choose to be in our head in different ways, basically to round out that that conversation. Yeah, and I hundred percent agree. And but it's one of those things as, as you know, this journey, you know, again, began with, okay, how do ideas turn into things? Um, mm-hmm. So then uh, you, you, you obviously, to answer those kinds of questions, you, you have to understand the product development. And what mm-hmm. you just mentioned, it's something that is well known in uh, social media and the engineering of habits. And I think there've been lots of, um, I think there was a movie that came out or a series that came out a few months ago talking about how, uh, social media strategy or, or how social media uh, companies 
create these habit loops, right? So it's yes. a it's a it's a body of work. It's a it, they're data scientists trying to figure out how to engage you, and which is fine in in some aspects, but that is the way I think about it. Is why can't we have an addictive app that helps that person become a doctor, right? Or mm. helps in Uganda mm-hmm. become whatever they want to be. Why haven't we? And we are, but I think in terms of really framing work, right? Mm-hmm. So you framed mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. as your ability to bring your superpower, your uniqueness in a way that makes somebody else's dream come true. Mm-hmm. Like if we can frame the way we worked in that lens and the products we built was to streamline manifestation for other people. Yeah. Do you think that capitalism is kind of the culprit in the why of that not being the reality that we live in? Yeah, I think that's the, in a way, I mean, that's the, that's an easy answer, but but I don't think it's the, the real answer. I think the real answer, at least in my own observation, is that the real answer is that what we call capitalism is an expression of intelligence. And that intelligence is optimizing for an, for a function, and that function is uh, its multiplication. So capital grows, and it mm-hmm. looks for all mechanics to you know technology, capital, whatever it needs to to grow itself. So I think that's just the uh, you know every every intelligence competes. We're in an evolutionary system of of different types of intelligence. So I think the the long run answer, I think, for the design of human systems is that we design human systems that are fully integrated into our holistic goal, like what we want as human beings. If we can tie our businesses to our collective objective function, then I think that would be those new organizations, and we call it the beloved organizations. I think those types of organizations will be able to compete and outcompete traditional corporations that don't have in their strategy, in their recruiting, this larger collective view of success, right? So that's how I think, uh, because intelligence won't stop doing, so the, the bug that's eating the, the, the plant doesn't really care that the, that the plant doesn't like what it's doing. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that um, there will always be this yin-yang tension in the world, right? This evolutionary environment. So instead of us trying to uh, mandate away intelligence, which I don't think is possible, I think what we should do is is raise the level of intelligence, right? Raise the level of the conscious design of the systems themselves. And then in that way, we would be building on first principles and we will, well, we will be building from a human perspective as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So that's that is the foundation of the Love and Magic Company, correct? Yes. You know, so I, I always talk about the birds in murmuration. So so you have um, so if, if you've seen starlings in murmuration, they're moving together like a collective. Yeah. So what is what is that for human beings? You know, how can we like how can we move together? Right. And as we're moving together, we're helping each other bring into reality our greatest imagination. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like what system? How would that system? But I guess what and and I guess the reality we've come at least the reality I've come to is that right now, you know, June of two thousand and twenty-one, there's enough mathematics and enough physics. Um, it's deep in it's deep in the halls of academia, but I've looked and I've seen them, and I'm seeing that we in a very practical way we can turn this dream into reality. And that's what I'm, I'm obsessed about. And that's what I'm, I'm interested in, uh, in, in bringing into, into reality. Yeah. So two things, because if we were our own selves, like if we were our own people, right? And I, I, because I feel like humans are disenfranchised from themselves, period. And so I think that is part of the block. And so when I thought about capitalism and how you were describing it, what I feel like is it's it's a machine. It's very mechanized. And if humans are not machinery, then that's where we get separated from the the ability to to produce or, or dream a different dream, ultimately, right? So how now do you reel it back to then first speak to humans so that they understand themselves in a human way, right? As opposed to just being a a, a cog in a machine and then move them to this other point because i feel like the disconnect in in where you're where you are looking to solve or where most people are not necessarily consuming information or understanding in the same way is that they they're already separated from themselves from this human side because we don't move together because we have all these varying perceptions of who we are and some think they are superhuman and some think they're less than human and some just allow whatever is coming at them from all all forces to just bounce off of them. So yeah, yeah so and yeah, it's such a great question, and yeah, and you're you're cutting at the, really the heart and and some of the things I've challenged, I've I've been challenged with myself is mm-hmm. as what I've found is that I've I've moved over the over actually through my life through levels of consciousness, yeah. and and at each level of consciousness, I thought I was self aware. <laughs> And so, so the idea of how do you, and I think if, if you have kids, you also have that, uh, people who have kids also have that challenge. How do you impart not data, but wisdom yeah. to children, right? Mm-hmm. So what that question of pedagogy and, and the impartment, how to impart um, in a way grace or knowledge mm-hmm. to others is something that I don't think people, I don't think there's, um, a, a, at least I haven't found a, an answer to how do you penetrate beliefs? Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you penetrate prior beliefs, right? Exactly. So, yeah, and I, think, I mean, one, one natural um, angle is really that of stories, right? Mm-hmm. And once, once the person imagines themselves, they embody that narrative. Um, so that's one. Um, so really fertilizing the imagination by the creation of stories that align to identity, right? So that's one way of doing just seeing yourself in other in other successes. So, so that's one. And then then it's also the, the educational system and I think courage, right? In terms of as a community. So many of the questions you're talking about is we never talk about it, right? So I went to business school. We never talked about imagination, yeah, right. But any any person who's looked about how any creation happens knows that there's a, there's a secret no one talks about, and it's the secret of the hypothesis. 
It's like where does where do hypotheses come from? Where does the process of, of abduction come from? So these questions of imagination are the questions we should talk about openly, and we should talk about uh, we should talk about consciousness openly. We should talk about calculus openly, openly, <laughs> right? Um, because by talking about those things, then we'll I think those are the things that really allow us to create the space for a fuller description of, of who we are in terms of um, identity. And um, I definitely have gone through my own journey of, of at least coming to these, at least come to these uh, these views. And uh, I remember listening to I think it was a Think and Grow Rich. Um, I don't know, 10 years ago, and it made absolutely no sense to me. It made no sense to me. Uh-huh. So then the question is, what could I have told myself then? You know, that would have given me, you know, different perception of consciousness of what of what was Napoleon Hill was, was, was saying. Anyway, so those... The, mm-hmm. those so, now, so now, if you were to look at Think and Grow Rich, you, it, it resonates a little bit more, I guess. Yes, uh, because I'm so I'm a you know I'm a I'm a I'm a dreamer, but I'm I'm also my toughest toughest uh, uh, critic yeah. and skeptic. So so uh, so the physicist in me says, okay, prove it. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so okay, so the 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 dreamer says in me says, okay, um, everything is imagination, right? And then the yeah. physicist says, uh, prove it. Okay, so so uh, so how would I prove some of Napoleon's Hill's concepts? So. Uh, the, the way I, at least the way I've come to it is by looking at uh, information theory. So information theory is essentially what I believe is the connection point between consciousness and physics. It's the it's the bridge between our thoughts and 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 the and physicality in mm-hmm. the in the in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So and so basically, so consciousness is really information theory. <laughs> Right. So yeah. what, what, what you're thinking about, what you're doing is a processing of information. So and, and one of your listeners interested in, in this topic um, to get into the formalism of it, it's called um, a variational free energy. That's the mathematical formalism for this, uh, this view of consciousness and the use of information theory as a way of entropy reduction or creation. What we call creation is really an act of entropy reduction. It's an act of organizing things. That's what creation is. So when a sculptor goes into, looks in a block of stone, they see in that block of stone some structure. And what they're doing is removing the entropy, removing the disorderliness out of that structure. So what I'm saying, that's the same metaphor for any type of creation. So what the, what the entrepreneur does is that they go and see see a problem in the world. It's all disorganized. It's messy. The customer is unhappy, and what they do, they use their imagination and they they look and they pause and they meditate and they think, and then all of a sudden they it comes to them. They have an idea. Aha! That's how I'm going to solve it. And she what uh, so now that she's she imagined the possibility, she now takes action. She recruits investors, she recruits co-founders, and she and she takes action to pursue her imagination, to pursue her prophecy. Right, that's the way to bridge um, what people have been saying about you are you are what you think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your attention mm-hmm. matters. Uh, and bridging it to the physics of information theory, which is this kind of entropy reduction process of imagining 
and action, perception and action. I know I, uh, but anyway, I'll stop there, but that's that's the formalism that um, I've, I've been trying to find better ways and better, easier ways to say, but that's essentially what I'm saying. The insight is that wealth comes from applying your imagination. And sure. before, you can imply your, before you can apply your imagination, you have to believe your imagination. You have mm-hmm. to believe mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you you kind of leaned into this as you were speaking and as you were closing. And I get the terminology that you're using. And, and I find it very interesting the way that you're marrying a lot of scientific conversational language with, well, not even conversational, just scientific uh, terms with, with what are kind of business and a normal, you know, colloquial dialogue. But do you find that it's a bit difficult for those businesses you're working with or individuals that you're working with to make the connection? And have you thought of, or do you use visual tools as a way of demonstrating this besides kind of, the, you said stories is one way, but visual tools, because it's very meaningful and impactful and I get it, but I'm wondering if, you know, and I'm a scientist, so that's part of the reason why I think I probably do get it. But for the more lay person, what are some of your your techniques for breaking it down? Oh, so like this is almost like this is this is a question I've been I've been wrestling with is how how do I become a better storyteller? How do I mm-hmm. say the things that I want to say mm-hmm. in a way that that would mirror my excitement about mm-hmm. these revelations to me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So okay. So let me try. This is probably the first time me saying it this particular way, but um, okay. so essentially, all creation comes from a simple process of guessing and then checking. Okay, yes, that's true. Yeah, guessing. That creation, yeah, that creation starts with guessing mm-hmm. is, is a key point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there is no, the, uh, going back to getting directions, there's no way to get there without first guessing where you want to go. Yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah. there's no there's no startup that hasn't been create that has been created where the founder didn't begin with a guess, right? They never, yeah. like, no one just starts doing something, right? You always you you're dreaming, you're thinking about should I do it, and at some point you do it, but it always began with a with a guess, right? Mm-hmm. And then what 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 work is is slowly removing the uncertainty about your guess, right? I have a vision, right? And then slowly removing the uncertainty about your vision. I want to create that and slowly removing the the rock mm-hmm. that obscures the view of your sculpture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good job. Is that good? Is that because <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, it works. It works. It works. So speaking of words and speaking, um, give us some of your local speak. So I'm kind of, I typically ask, you know, a word or a phrase or a saying that's a meaningful part of your local experience and why or how you came to value it as global speak. A global speak. I don't know if I have a global speak. <laughs> What's a global speak? <laughs> it's something that is global and local to you. Something that's global and local. It's just power of awareness. Yeah. So okay. that's it. Power of awareness. Power of awareness. Okay, that's that that's that's global and local. So yeah, all right. That's me. And, and that's where you always are. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So let me ask you, um, you know, we, the theory and the concept around your business all makes sense, but I want to get a little bit more into some of the kind of the everyday. So tell us a little bit more about some of the courses that you, that you've designed and, and that you have available at the startup school. Sure. So, um, so this is a question again, I've been, uh, I've just been obsessed with literally for five years. I've read, you know, I've read hundreds of, of, of books around this and watch hundreds of videos and, mm-hmm. and, you know, listen to hundreds of founders talk about um, entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And what I did was um, if I had to distill this, this scientific process of entrepreneurship into 11 steps, right? If I had to sort of force the, that uh, uh, non-linear process into sort of 11 steps, how would I do it? And that's what um, I share in the Startup School of Alchemy. Uh, so I work uh, with founders, especially on the early stage of the product development uh, process. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so so that's that's what, because uh, it's, a, it's a passion of mine and uh, it's, an, it's an interest and I think Lots of entrepreneurs are in the position where uh, it's hard to have a, a correct model of what you're supposed to do. There's so much advice on so many areas, uh, and sometimes you don't have this cohesive uh, view of what you should do or how to reason from principles like a scientist would reason. So if if science is good for, for helping us solve COVID, why can't it help you launch your, your project or mm-hmm. help you? launch your startup like why have we like why is why is your why is your um, your project that would the one area of phenomena that science doesn't apply of course it does right yeah. um, of course science applies so if it does why wouldn't we apply and uh, what I found as an entrepreneur is it's not that I didn't want to apply it I just didn't know how to apply it uh, so what's at the startup school of alchemy was really okay how would you apply the scientific process right to the process of finding that product market fit finding entrepreneurial success mm, mm-hmm. that makes sense because what we do know is that science works because it is a process like we we understand you know it's been crystallized it's been you know um, documented that there's a process in science and and i guess solve the logic logic disciplines or what have you, so that you you have something that's mapped out. You just kind of follow the steps and, you know, input your humanity, and then you you create something that changes humanity. Yes. So, but one thing that, again, this is just, again, like each day, it's like I get, I, I get so much, um, I get, um, I just marvel about the amount of information available in the world, right? Yeah. But what what you just said is is exactly right. But one thing that at least no one said explicitly, but I think we should all sit down, grab a cup of coffee or tea, and really think about is in that scientific process. There's a point where you you have a conjecture, where you have a mm-hmm. hypothesis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but isn't that the that is the the basis of the scientific method is the yes. hypothesis? Yeah. Yes. But now the question though is where. How do where do hypotheses come from, and how do I get more of them? Yeah. So when you ask yourself mm-hmm. that question, you are now at that mid meeting point. The one error that serious scientists and serious academics and serious business people don't want to talk about is that mm-hmm. there is a meeting point between imagination and and information mm-hmm. that somehow 
a, a thought comes into your consciousness and that that becomes a um, uh, one of a hypothesis or a, 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 a process of abduction where you you generate a potential hypothesis right yeah um, so so that is a magical moment in human intelligence and our collective human capacity and what if we abstracted all the science and really spent our attention on that magical moment the magical moment where that creative moment and again i believe that we have enough science to distill that moment so that we don't spend our time toiling we spend our time imagining and and we'll have enough ai enough robots to do work mm -hmm. to do, think about is how can we design human efforts in such a way where we really value the uniqueness of human beings and in, i think in my in my my own observation the most the uniqueness of our human beings is the uniqueness of our imagination and that's where we should build our systems on on really harnessing all that bounty all that you know that energy that comes from our creative uh, potential Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kind of like the the infinite idea jar yeah because it is right and people talk about sustainable strategies but you know like like the thing that's that that's never ends is this constant uh, pouring out of imaginative creative potential in fact you can't help it right every moment of life is this is this process of creation, right? Whether you're creating a house or creating a family or creating a startup, right? We can't help but organize the world, right? We can't help but create this, right? So it's part of our, like, if anyone looks at it scientifically, you'd uh, that's what the, the numbers say, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is, yeah, that's it's basically human nature yeah. in that regard. Yeah, so... Tell us, like, what kind of, what is, is there a particular type of business or startup or that lends itself more to, to the process or to the academy or, you know, are there across the board you think you have been able to solve for all kinds of industries? So the, the framework is something we've been uh, developing and, and using with some of our uh, clients. Uh, but I think when, when uh, George Floyd's that happened last year. What I had this, I had this epiphany mm -hmm. that all the thought and work I had been uh, given to, you know, these ecosystems and creating wealth creation ecosystems um, can be applied to this very pressing question. That it wasn't um, that pr police um, violence and brutality was one, but the spring of that inequality and this story stems from deeply ingrained economic scarcity. Yeah. And, and then what more pressing question, what more pressing uh, challenge is there than to rectify or, or, or have more empathy regarding uh, millions of, of Black lives? Uh, so what I've pointed my attention now is let's build the first beloved organization mm -hmm. the first beloved organization that has at its center as its purpose of meaning the emancipation of economic emancipation of millions of people who live in the most distressed communities in america so i've used the opportunity zone as one mm -hmm. representation mm -hmm. of that opportunity 
and say, why can't we, what could we do if we redesigned economic systems from the ground up, right? Where at the center of the organization is the human being and we're fusing together home ownership, entrepreneurship, skills training, all into one cohesive system, right? That helps them go from where they are today to where they aspire to be, right? What would that look like, right? It would, it would involve um, getting the invest, figure out um, what the investor returns are required. It would allow, it would, it would require us to figure out what the, what the hopes and the dreams of the people who live in these opportunity zones were. It would allow us to posit and conjecture systems, businesses, ways we could organize capital and resources and information to make that their local dream a reality, right? And I think if Elon Musk is sending people to Mars, I think we can do a much better job of how we can respond to the very real pain of people. And, uh, and I think what's been missing in the past is that these linear models haven't seemed to work. And I think what we need now is a, a fresh look to bring the rigor of science, right? To bring the rigor of complexity science into, into humanity. And I think um, if the information is available to us, why wouldn't we use it, right? Uh, so that's what I'm excited about to, to really catalyze a whole new ecosystem of wealth creation but that has at its center the people who live um, in opportunity zones. And, and the company is called the Greenwood uh, Company. The Greenwood? Yeah, the Greenwood Company. Greenwood okay. Company. It's a, it's, a, it's a startup. Uh, so it's an eco- ecosystem builder. So oh. our, the, 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 the reason, the, the why of the business is to generate uh, wealth for people who live in opportunity zones. And we will do so by fusing together entrepreneurship and capital in a cohesive and scientific uh, manner. Wow. I like that. The Greenwood Company. Yeah. Okay. So we'll have links to that in the show notes, folks. Today is Juneteenth or the observation of Juneteenth as a a national holiday. And so as you're saying these things, it resonates with me and thinking of imagination. I wonder, like, if we had thought about this or not we, if if the, the leaders, the you know, the policymakers had thought about this hundreds uh, two hundred nearly two hundred years ago, where would we be now? What kind of problems would be would we be solving? It's oh, just- who knows, right? That's yeah. wonderful thing. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, we talk about I mean we 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 celebrate uniqueness, but we're all unique, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. the fallow, the fallow wealth that's in the minds and the creative capacities of millions of people is a colossal waste, you know? Right, right. Colossal waste. You know, there's so many people who have wonderful things they want to bring into reality, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't know the people, they don't know, they don't have the information, right? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, you talk about Juneteenth, right? So this idea of information that our only scarcity is information, which is imagination, right? So if not knowing, is the only barrier, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. How, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so the question, the information is really is really the constraints to human mobility, mm-hmm. right? So, so, um, so when we start, when we understand the hows, right? Like if we understand how how we do things, then it allows people to to have mobility. So then the question is, so let me another 
in a, in a, in a practical way. So if you were a 23-year-old lady in, uh, in Newark, what is the shortest path between where you are today to, uh, to your sense of abundance, right? Mm-hmm. That should not be a mystery. Mm. Very good point. Very good point. It, yeah, yeah. It shouldn't be a mystery, but I guess it, I would imagine it to be more of an adventure. Yes. Well, as you know, right, the not knowing, the fear, the um, mm. not connected to the world is, yeah. um, and what we find is when you, that you need encouragement. You need yeah. to say like, hey, yeah, no. But you know, there's also this. You know you could do this too, and you know this other person did that, right? Right. And those um, those simple feedback loops, right? Yeah. Is the is the almost the a- atomic unit of all intelligence, right? So it's it's no mystery, right? Intelligence systems predict, right, and then they get they get feedback, and based on their prior belief, they have another prediction, right? So it's a it's a it's you know, so so all we have to do is okay, how do we perturb the messages, and then how do we conjure up uh, prior beliefs and imagination so that people can manifest the true being that they are? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Well, we're working towards it with with the help of the Greenwood and Love and Magic. So speaking of that, what is the mindset hack? Maybe what would you describe as one that might be effective for that young woman or one that you ascribe to? Yes. Okay. And this um, I got from a, a wonderful uh, marketer named um, Fled McLaughlin. So as, as an entrepreneur, I found that sometimes you get stuck, right? Mm-hmm. Get stuck, right? And you know you have a problem, but you can't figure it out exactly what that problem is. And so you get into this kind of mental haze, right? And sometimes it feels like there's no answer and you just can't, you can't get unblocked, right? Yeah. Uh, this is one powerful four-step technique. That I found that uh, that he shared that I think is just marvelous for anyone who's trying to think about who's who's stuck, right? Okay, here are the four steps. Okay, so step number. Okay, so something happened. Something happened in your startup. Something happened in your project. Something happened in your life. Okay, so the okay, so you have to deal with it. Okay, so what what will be the first step? So the first step is number one, given what you observe, what is your top objective? Again, so you can think of it as what is your goal? What are you trying to get done? You know, you can do it to, your, to the level of your life. You can do the level of your day. You can level mm-hmm. of your situation. But what is your top objective? Mm-hmm. Top objective. It's very important. Top, not that a an objective, the top objective. Mm-hmm. So the next one, what's the, what's the most effective way to achieve it? Okay. So... Mm-hmm. Okay, so given your goal, so I, I want to raise funding for my startup. Okay, that's your top objective. What is your best way to achieve it? So you could say, well, I'm going to reach out to this person at this. I'm going to put together a presentation. I'm going to schedule meetings with the investors, right? So that's your plan. So the next step now is that you could test the plan. So that's step three. And then the, the next step is, so you, you reach out to investors. You, you start doing the presentations, right? Then the step four is based on that. You, you what what happened, right? So now step four, you you update step one or step two. So you basically update update the objective or the step. I know I said it, in a, but basically the first thing is you start with the objective, then the plan. Mm-hmm. You experiment and you learn. So okay. Objective, plan, ex- try, 
subscribe and learn. Mm-hmm. That simple process, whether you're you're stuck in 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 a cycle of poverty or whether you're an entrepreneur trying to figure out how to create a flattened uh, retention curve, it's the same process. Sure. Uh, yeah. Sure. Okay. That's a good one. It's very practical and useful, applicable. <laughs> Thank well, you I'm trying. That. I'm trying. I think uh, the feedback I've gotten so far was that um, I need to tone down uh, the math and, and, <laughs> and try to speak uh, uh, more simply. And so, so thank you. Thank I, you. Well, I disagree because STEM and STEAM are all the rave for young people. So let's keep the, the science, technology, engineering, arts, and math on the table. So please continue. Um, Okay. So let's take a pivot into the other thinker. Maybe not. I mean, we know you're self-aware. We know you're, you know, this business. um, I won't say tycoon. I don't know if we have tycoons anymore. I guess Jeff Bezos is the, yeah, there's some, but, but away from your business, business self, um, are you a, a reader, a watcher or a listener? Oh, that's an easy one. I'm definitely a watcher. You're, you're a watcher. Yes. Okay. Yes, so what I, are... I, I live on YouTube. So I was I was sh- I was showing something to I was showing a video to this to my kids and yeah. and uh, and one of my kids said, "Daddy, you have too much screen time." Because yeah? <laughs> <laughs> you saw how many videos uh, I, I watch. Uh, now I'm constantly on YouTube, and I, I and I would highly recommend for those of you who are also watches that um, that you you live on YouTube because. Um, when you listen to a video, right? First of all, there the types of teachers out there, you know, yeah. Yeah. are so much better than the teachers we had in high school and in college, you yeah, know. So, so I'm rediscovering physics and and science and and philosophy all on YouTube, and and all of that is 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 fusing into this like cohesive view um, of the world, right? So. Uh, so, and the great thing about YouTube, and the reason why I recommend it is when you type something mm-hmm. you're interested in, you're asking a question. So think about it, right? Mm. So in, you know, uh, Flo, as, uh, as an African too, right, you, you know, there's this notion of the oracle, you know, or, or even in, in, in mythology, in, in Greek times or whatever, there, there are times where there's, there are places of bodies of knowledge, right, where people trek for miles right. to that one question. Yeah. And what we have in 2021 is a system that has never, of, of an intelligence that has never come upon the earth. Yeah. Google's AI system is the most, I, again, I, I don't know, I don't know, again, there's so many levels, but it is, there has never been an oracle that has been more powerful than, than Google's interface. In my case, let's just use YouTube, right? Yeah. Because what I like to learn, how I like to learn. Mm-hmm. So what you find is that when you type something, a, a question, you're, you're asking the most intelligent system there is, right? Mm-hmm. And get its recommendations of what it thinks the answer to your question is. And then you go deeper into the knowledge you, you're seeking. And then it then uses the collective intelligence it has gained over decades to recommend the best, right? So you can't have a better teacher than YouTube's recommendation engine. So if you want to super leverage your capacity to learn, my my advice is to type your question into YouTube, browse the answers and go deeper 
into the questions you're interested in. Right. Because you'll find you'll be in a relationship with Google and Google will try to guess what information would answer Chinedu's question. Think about it. So you have an AI system, the best in the world, doing the best it can to answer a specific question I've asked. How could we beat that from a teacher, from a learning perspective, right? At least for me. So, so I've, you know, as I said, like, so you can learn so much. You can mm -hmm. learn so quickly because people teach in one minute, three minutes. Yeah. At one hour sessions. And what I do is I, I start off with like the really short version. So if I'm learning something new, so for example, I'm learning about mutual information now, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm starting with kind of one minute, five minute, 10 minute videos. And then I'm branching into longer and longer one hour, two hour sessions, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, and that, what that does, it allows you to learn much faster than if you took a course or did some other type of learning. Yeah. Yeah, I found. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are some of your favorite channels on YouTube? Oh, it's topics. Oh, um, topics. Okay, okay. But specifically, actually, I, I like uh, uh, Space Time, PBS Space Time. Okay, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like um, so I think that's a wonderful. Um, so I love I love physics and math, and and I think uh, so. Obviously, the key to to information is is make sure that you're consuming content from credible sources. Uh, yeah, you don't you want to train Google to to reinforce your prejudices and and your uh, naivete um, as well. Right, 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 right. That's very true. Very true. Okay. <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. Well, Chinadu, it's been so nice to host you. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very fun experience. Yeah, it's been so long since we had like a long conversation, so it's nice to catch up a little bit on the evolution of the entrepreneur and and find out what's new and next. So, any last words for our listeners today? Well, just to encourage uh, all of you to to brave your imagination. Mm -hmm. uh, your imagination is unique to you. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have everything in working uh, towards helping you achieve that wonderful imagination you have. Uh, so, so thank you. Yes, that's a, those are great last words. Imagination, that's it. And I, it's so interesting because one of the first um, things that you said that really rang in my ear was was that you said, "Oh, the answer is imagination." And this is just like we're just sitting around, and you said it. I was like, hmm. Yeah, I guess so. You know, and I'm creative, so I I didn't I never felt that I had a block with it, but I feel like the more people are encouraged to dig into it, to delve into it, to understand themselves in in that context, I think the much better off that we will be because it just allows people to break out of the silos, the institutions, you know, just to to, to conjure that courage as you mentioned from before. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yes. So this has been another episode of Global Citizens. Thank you for joining us. I'm Florence Adu, your host. And we have new episodes every Tuesday at www.globalcitizenspod.com and wherever you get your podcasts. That's Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, listen, subscribe, send a comment or suggest a guest. We love to hear from you. So until next time, bye for now.